Hello and welcome to Scopy Radio. My name is Daniel Johansson. And I'm Maureen Smith. And we are joined today by Molly Young. <laughs> Hi. How hey. are you? I'm great. How are you? We're doing all right. Yeah. So, context. We... <laughs> So we've been out of town for a week and a half. I know we've been putting up episodes this week of the podcast. Not um, a week and a half. We've been gone for like five days. I don't know. It feels Time like is a, fleeting. feels like a week and a half. It's true. Um, <laughs> yeah. So we've been on Long Island for four or five days. We did a lot of different stuff. Um, and we didn't record any episodes. But now we're actually in Baltimore. We just got into Baltimore. Like Molly's, literally. Yeah. yeah. Molly's like our first like respite from the road and we're just like <laughs> we came in like can we use your bathrooms <laughs> both of them like immediately it's a good thing i have too yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. um yeah so now we're here and thank you for having us yeah welcome to charm city yeah, yeah. that's great i forgot that it's a so i went to i went to college here and i've i my habit with visiting baltimore is like lightning raids Mm -hmm. i'll be here for like less than 24 hours for whatever reason and so like i'll forget like little aspects of it like the fact that it's called charm city charm city well how long has it been since you moved from baltimore now five years yeah wow five years wow isn't that crazy yeah yeah did y'all were you at school at the same time yeah. yeah, I started my master's in 2010. Yeah. Cool. So you started my junior year. Mm-hmm. We graduated the same year. Gotcha. Or did you do three? I did two full-time years and then a part-time year because I, I added another degree partway through. Gotcha. So I actually oh. finished 2013. Okay. I finished um, 2012. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. Good old peeps. Ah, mm-hmm. peeps. Peeps. <laughs> well, I would love to actually, because I think we do this every time we have... Uh, we're in a different city and I mean that by the one at the time we were in a different city when we were in Milwaukee for the first time like and just kind of like contextualize Baltimore yeah because I love Baltimore in that it especially like compared to like Chicago mm-hmm. like I think I feel like there's a weird like sisterhood to those two cities you know like in a way like what two cities Baltimore and Chicago I guess well just in that like in that you know be people from both well also <laughs> Also, I think that there's like a like a second city aspect to Baltimore in the same way. That I I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, like it's, it's not really it's it doesn't have everything of DC or New York. Like it's yeah, I think it does kind of have this yeah. not second rate, but it is smaller. But I think that's something we were talking about earlier. We really love about it because I do love living in a city, but I like a city that has neighborhoods. Right. I like a city that's not necessarily completely fast-paced all the time. Like, mm-hmm. if you want to go out and be crazy and find that stuff in Baltimore, you can. But especially, like, where we are right now, um, Mount Vernon is a really relatively quiet neighborhood and, like, a lot of history and, like, cobblestone streets that mm-hmm. I always fall on when I'm wearing heels. Um, yeah. Yeah. When, when <laughs> They're I, brutal. When I yeah. auditioned for Peabody when I was 18, I busted my shit, like, on my way yeah to my audition in heels mm-hmm. yeah. and well y'all have that um that monument to that big george washington monument right around the corner yes which was actually designed by the same guy who did the dc monument the obelisk cool. but ours is actually older it was first therefore better yeah yeah better. and if you stand uh, i think at the bus stop this is like, this is the dumbest, most childish thing, but I think everybody who's ever been to Peabody knows this. If you stand at the bus stop and it's at the right angle, because George is pointing towards the uh, harbor, but from the right angle, it can look like he's 
massively excited. I'll just put it that way. In, in a way that makes us proud to yeah. have him as our first president. He's, yeah. uh, he, he was he was he was very virile. Yeah. He was okay, ready to take on those red coats. Yeah. Uh, anyhow. Cool. Yeah. So before you leave, you need to go to that side of the monument. Okay, great. Take salute up. I just got a good picture. We'll put that up. That'll be the cover photo for. Perfect. I've been thinking about wanting to do because, like, especially after spending time with my family, they were like, "So, does this thing have any legitimacy at all?" The podcast, I mean, like the (laughs) magazine. And so I've been thinking lately, like, first off, I've always kind of like loved the idea of trying to do a print magazine, but I also love the idea of doing like. Like, have you ever heard of Complex Magazine? Mm-mm. They do, like, a digital cover now because they don't do a print oh. version. And so um, we should do we should do a digital cover of the magazine, and it should be... Monument. Of George Washington. Mon- George and his monument. <laughs> Erected in... Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Well, um, the reason we're here um, is because, um, first of all, you know, you are an amazing musician and like, you know, you're amazing, but, um, (laughs) you were recently diagnosed with breast cancer Mm -hmm. and have taken that and become incredibly vocal in the kind of like fight against this atrocious, you know, proposed new healthcare bill. Yeah, which I think we we can just even strike the word healthcare out of it. Frankly, yeah. <laughs> um, it's a murder bill, is yeah. what it is. It's it's a death sentence for anyone going through any health crisis at all, or or rather to say, you know, I guess we'd be allowed to get the care. We wouldn't necessarily just die, but then absolutely, you could write off the rest of your life. You'd be crushing financial debt that you would never get out of. Yeah, yeah. It'd be terrible. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, um, so kind of my curiosity with all this, and it's something we talked in the car about, um, uh, Maury and I, we talked a little bit too before we started recording, um, but I just, the idea of education is a lot of times uh, a big part of kind of like progressivism politics and talking about trying to help contextualize and understand Mm -hmm. like what the issues, the what the laws, what the legislation actually means. Um, and, you know, a lot of times there is a serious need for the um, the worse off, let's say, or like the the ill, the um, the oppressed minority and in, in, in racial issues and gender issues and, and um, gender identity and sexuality issues and all of these issues. Um, and so then I always think about the like burden of education. I think about it a lot. And I think mm-hmm. about, about like, and I, what I mean by that is the, like, whose job is it <laughs> to, to right. do that? And I, um, and I think, you know, we actually talked about it a little bit um, on the, at the poetry night with, um, with a Johnny, not the poetry night, but the, at the uh, talk after, we Post, had an interview yeah. after. Um, but yeah, but I think it's, it's always more powerful when it actually comes from the source, mm. you know? Um, and I think that, so my curiosity for you is, as a person who is has been was diagnosed with cancer and um, has then gone from there to I mean like you've done like photo shoots and like you've been extremely vocal and um, what were the what was the like turning point for you where you were like I want to step outside of my comfort zone and like allow for that kind of vulnerability to 
That's a great question. Um, I would say first off, you know, one thing that is unique in my situation and I think that has been helpful on the way is like when you say stepping outside of your comfort zone, like inviting attention or being the focal point of attention, mm-hmm. I literally got, I have three college degrees in performance, right? Yeah. So I've spent a lot of time in the spotlight in that way. Um, just, you know, growing up as a musician and, and you know, being on stage in opera and recital and stuff, I think performers are used to that type of attention. Not that we're all just like attention-seeking whores. Um, that's a little true too, but <laughs> <laughs> no. But I mean, need to say, you know, to first off, I think anything anyone going through this as a patient, um, you do end up even if you weren't doing anything extra to try to share what you're going through, people will flock to you. People want to help. People want to, you know there's a lot of unwanted attention that you get and obviously every time you go into the hospital or to the doctors you're kind of the star of the show that's a lot um and i'm in a way i'm grateful that it's me going through this um obviously a lot of other people as well but there's a part of my experience and my personality that's used to that yeah so that does make it a little bit easier um uh there was a week I think it was a week after I was diagnosed. I, I have a, like actually a very visceral memory, visceral memory of waking up and thinking, I'm, I'm caught. I'm so stuck here. There's nothing I can do. I have to. It's like, <laughs> I actually wrote about this. It's like being stuck in the worst like water temple in Zelda, like in the deepest dungeon. <laughs> and you can get out. Like there is an end game to this. I will be on the other side at some point. But... There's so much I have to go through, and that's that's exhausting sometimes. If you think, if you look at that whole picture, and I I thought to myself, um, you know, what is it that I can do along the way? What what could I possibly use out of this? What can I do with it? Um, and of course, this was when everything was kind of ramping up towards the House vote. I think, um, and, yeah. and we were still, you know, just starting to learn what the HCA might be and everything. So it's a very poignant time of the year and of the political season, I guess, to be a patient. Yeah. Um, and I thought, okay, you know, better it be me. You know, somebody has to go through this. There's so many people in my life who said, oh, I wish, I wish it had been me. It should have been me. My mother said that to me. She's 62. Statistically, this would make a lot more sense if it were her. Um, but it's not. As I told her, I was like, well, <laughs> you know, no, I, I don't wish it on you. It happened to me, and here we are. Um, and so what do I do? Um, I think it's such a, for me, it's been a strengthening choice, an empowering choice to say, okay, here we are. Where do we go now? How mm-hmm. do I, you know, I, ha- I cannot stop moving. I have to keep going forward through this experience. And um, I have to say, there's, I've had a couple people say, you know, oh, maybe you should just slow down, just focus on on the chemo or whatever else. And I think, no, 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 this is so distracting. This is yeah. really, really helpful. <laughs> I actually, you know, the days when I, I feel well enough to make a video or post something stupid or whatever, you know, whatever it is, um, that's really distracting for me. And it's also helpful, I think, the whole use of social media in general, first off, to share a story that puts a really human light on something that is otherwise a little abstract for the majority of people who don't pay attention to politics or don't actually know um, the details of a bill like this what's the what's the literal effect what does it do to a certain human's life and in my case um, 
you know, I've been posting things like, this is the total of my bill. If I didn't have insurance, this right. is the bill with insurance. Um, and, uh, you know, what would that mean down the line for the next person who's going to get diagnosed? Because we're very far from, you know, the, the actual cure for um, this disease. So it will happen again, and maybe to someone who is uninsured and is a single mom and doesn't have the support community that I do. And so it's horrifying to think of myself as lucky as a cancer patient, but I am. Isn't that crazy? It's awful. Yeah. That, like, in a situation where, like, you've been, you've been, dealt, an, you've been dealt an unfortunate hand in this particular rather unfortunate yes. yeah <laughs> I'm, tr- I'm trying to yeah. be yeah i'm yeah so i think and to have to like i mean and it helps in terms of like met like your mentality about it to be like i'm lucky blah 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 but to have to count yourself lucky because of your finances finances is so if i would say finances is one the fact that i do have insurance um the fact that i have such a generous community that I've gotten these GoFundMe accounts that, you know, the extra costs, like there, there are financial bills, uh, you know, of, of like, what does surgery cost? What does a chemo treatment cost? But the uncounted part of being a cancer patient is what does it cost that I lost 23 days of teaching because I had two surgeries? Uh, what does it cost that I haven't been able to audition for anything in the last three months you know there there are parts of my life and my career that are kind of stuck because of what i'm going through physically um the you know the actual financial impact of that i don't actually know um people raise these funds kind of to help me with just the living bills not even the medical bills right that and that's the thing it's it's not just a hospital bill. It's it's your entire life. And again, I don't have any kids to take care of. Yeah. I don't have you know. There's nothing. I, in that way, again, I'm I'm pretty lucky. Um, that and having having the experience of being in the spotlight. Like as I said, I think emotionally that's been a huge ease for me in ways that it may not be for other patients. Um, and I have just the best friends and family in the world you know there has been great yeah there there are actually two aspects of that that i want to explore first of all um the gofundme that you mentioned Mm -hmm. like some you know this wasn't something that you started you didn't start a gofundme for yourself it Mm -hmm. was which i mean if you had it would have been fine (laughs) but (laughs) but it was your friends who started it yeah two two separate friends on the day that i put up a facebook post um, took it upon themselves to do that on my behalf. And that that's just been such a relief because in the back of my mind, every day that I wake up and don't feel well or if there's a time that I feel like I need to take a day off, in the past I've usually you know, always thought like, oh, is it worth the money that I would make today? Because I don't have a salary. I'm a contract employee. I'm a freelance musician. Every single day that I work, is money that I make, or if I don't, I don't. I just not. I don't get any paid time off um, as as other jobs can offer. But having this kind of little, I'm going to call it a nest egg. I haven't touched it yet. Um, it's money that I can't. Um, I can't say enough. First off, for my gratitude for everybody, both 
the the generosity of people I know who gave, the fact that this stretched out beyond me, that there were people through social media who heard of my story, who wanted to help, who've never met me and never will. I think that's there's a lot of <laughs> there's a lot of kind of double-edged stuff with social media, um, but that's been such a wonderful thing to experience through this otherwise awful thing that happened is just the humanity, um, being able to connect on such a large scale to the goodness in people, which there are days when it's very hard to see that, I think. Um, mm-hmm. But that's that's been a really wonderful thing about it. Well, and the other part of your community <laughs> that I wanted to touch on that I think is really cool, um, and actually behind me there's a like a little symbol of that a huge pair of like plush red lips yes. is that on the days of your chemo like a, like a hundred people post pictures of themselves wearing red lipstick because yeah. you choose you wear red lipstick to chemo yeah so that's kind of a funny thing um how that came about i hate pink <laughs> i always have <laughs> i just uh, i you know the night, I, I think this even came up the night I was diagnosed and I was with my family and stuff. And I remember um, just kind of being like, God damn, breast cancer. Of course, breast cancer. I'm tw- you know, first off, I'm 29 years old at the time. I did turn 30 in March, so now I'm 30. But I will stick to the fact that I was 29. Um, <laughs> otherwise, completely healthy. Like there's literally nothing wrong with me except a little bit of cancer. Uh, and I remember just like sitting there with my mom and she's like, oh my God, I don't want the pink ribbons. Like, and I, I know I'm not alone in this and I will put a caveat to that. I think the whole, all the breast cancer research institute, all this stuff is wonderful. It's great. I just don't like pink myself. And I thought, oh geez, like people are going to start sending me pink stuff and it's going to be the oldest pink parade. Um, so somewhere along the way, I don't know exactly the timeline of when this happened, um, I did start, especially when I cut off my hair. I mean, I like, I like wearing bold colors, but especially when I cut off my hair, I think there was a conscious switch that I was like, oh, I need to have bold, bold lip now <laughs> to like compensate. <laughs> um, and I think there's also, for me, I really associate it with, um, with performance, with wearing like stage makeup or, or auditions or anything like that. You, you tend to wear my, my voice teacher always said having having a good lipstick with you is important. Um, so there's a there's a certain part of like war paint idea to me, I think, psychologically. So I started wearing a lot of um, bolder colors. And it all kind of happened together. One of my friends said, hey, wouldn't it be cool? And I think she posted this. She said, wouldn't it be cool if we all wore red with you on chemo day? Because that's another thing, the whole social media. Um, to, to be a cancer patient, is such a helpless situation to know or love someone who's a cancer patient is a very helpless situation. It's, yeah. it's so so terrible. Um, I think for me, that's that's been the worst is knowing how it makes my uh, family and friends feel, and like the circles of people who feel so who were so shocked by this. You do like you know trying trying to break this news to people. I think that was the heart. That was such a burden on me. Like I felt so guilty about. Mm bringing this into their lives. Um, and, you know, my extended family is all over the country, my friends and family all over the world, really. And the biggest connection they had to me at this time was Facebook. So, um, you know, and 
it's it's been a way for them because I've been so vocal, because I've been like really just an open book about every step of it, they've felt, I think, that they've been able to walk with me a bit and mm. and that's their way of helping and supporting and that's them being able to do something, which is, I hope, I think that's a gift to them that they can feel that way. Because, yeah, that's that's the worst. Everyone wants to do something and there's nothing to do. Yeah. Um, so that's been, the, the red lip thing started. Um, also kind of coincided with the whole Wonder Woman movie coming out. Yeah. And one of my friends, I think, posted a picture of me on my way to surgery and men, like ca- called me Wonder Woman or something. So that became a thing. Um, and I, I should show you like the pile of Wonder Woman swag I've been sent. It shifted. It was great because we kind of shifted from like sad cancer gifts and pink ribbon things to red to Wonder Woman to power and strength and all this like kind of bolder stuff yeah. which is so my vibe I the worst thing I ever want is just to be this like pity charity case like sadness like I think you know there were people maybe at the beginning who had this image of me just kind of like sitting and staring out the window and thinking about cancer and that's just not not where I was at it was more like okay battle time we're gonna like we're gonna get this well because when I when I saw your initial post about being diagnosed diagnosed with cancer, um, what I found so remarkable is that th- that was not the impression I got. It, yeah, and, and I mean, no, yeah. and but to touch, and I, I was just like, from the beginning of this entire process, like your your presence about it has been really honest and funny and like. Bold, what you're saying, bold and powerful. Like, what sticks out in my mind is like you had just gone to an appointment or something, and you were given a hospital gown. <laughs> and your apartment, there's a long hallway, and you did like a runway walk, of, mm. and you called it like cancer patient fashion. Something cancer fashion. And it, it, it was it's just, all made of paper. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's very flattering for spring. Yes. Uh, it's light materials. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Perfect I think for that, Baltimore. It summer. was. Because <laughs> um, that was, I think, for one of the MRIs. Yeah, you can't yeah. have... It was all all paper. Right. It was delightful. Well, and they let me keep it. Oh, so that was, nice. yeah, I took it home. I was like, all right. No, and I just remember being like... Because my, cause my dad had cancer, mm-hmm. and he was negative about it. Yeah. Um, which is not, like, down on him or down on anyone, mm-hmm. however they take news. But it was just, like empowering to see like this is what i wore to my mri today (laughs) and i'm gonna do a runway walk with it and i was just like fuck that's so funny well you know i think no one ever knows how they'd react in this situation until it happens to them and god willing it doesn't happen to to most but that would be again something i would say people have said that to me time and time again oh you're so you're brave you're inspiring you're strong you're this you're that and i think well Thank you, first off. I, I take that. But I'm able to be all those things because I have this, like, huge, huge team behind mm-hmm. me. Um, I was, I think I used the analogy to somebody the other day. It's like that game in elementary school where, you know, just, like, kind of um, everybody's in a circle trying to keep a beach ball in the air. And, like, for me, I have good days and bad days, so I kind of keep going up and down. But I don't touch the ground because somebody keeps stepping into the circle over and over again to keep me kind of buoyed up Mm -hmm. um if I were on my own if I didn't have 
people in my corner constantly, you know, supporting me and cheering me on and, and being there for me in every possible way, uh, I would run out of juice pretty fast. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, I think people are, are in awe in a way that I seem to have such great spirits and, but that's because of all of, all of you, everybody, you know, yeah. Yeah. it's not, it's not just me. Well, that really, uh, my, that like half answers my next question really well. So I'm going to actually ask it and then make you answer the other half. Sure. Um, <laughs> in that I, I imagine, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a tendency for people to think they know what the first thing to do to be, or, or to like, or to like, be like, this is, this is how we can help, you know? And, and yeah. I, I think, and, um, maybe I, I wonder too, if part of that isn't your experience in that from, from the get go, it seems like you've kind of really set, like you've made it very clear where you're at with it. And, um, you know, I was thinking about it when you were talking about like the red lip, like it was, it's, it's something that like people can like show their support and latch on to really mm-hmm. easily. Um, and in that also, like you've been able to like shun and shake off the like cancer patient the stereotype. Right. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my kind of curiosity is, um, do you, do you have any thoughts on kind of like, basically my question is like, what are, is your advice for people who maybe know someone who's been diagnosed with cancer, who maybe isn't in that same kind of like a, a spotlight or, or what are, or the people that like someone else that maybe have, is in a similar situation, um, who has like, like an anxiety or like a fear of, of coming out in that way or not coming out, but you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like once you share this, I mean, once you bring this to the rest of the world, it's there forever you know for myself i'm going to be a cancer patient for life in some way and i you know i don't mean to be morbid about that but one of the biggest risks for me that i'm so you know people i've had people say oh well you're so young and strong you know lucky for you that's really good um because and in a way that's true i think i've had an easier time through chemo than say a 70 year old breast cancer patient absolutely but for me the biggest danger is recurrence statistically there's just a lot of years in my life for this to come back um so that's you know that's something that this is gonna you know this is kind of it's on my record right you know i'm, I'm a pre-existing condition now um and i think there will never be a time in my life ever again that anyone who knows me will not think of cancer when they think of me and that's kind of a downer even though i think i've i think it'll you know and it'll be a positive thing like that they will think of me as survivor they will think of me as badass or whatever it else you know it can be a positive thing but i'll never walk away from the title of cancer and i you know that's that's a life sentence um that being said, I think, you know, for anyone else, what I've learned is how intensely unique and personal this is. Uh, that, you know, you're talking about reactions, if it's good or bad, or how does someone deal with just this, you know, mortality handed to you on a plate? What do it's, you do with that? Yeah. Well, because yeah. cancer is such a big word, Yeah. honestly. Yeah. <laughs> it is. It's a terrible word. Um, and... It's hard to know what to do. I think, you, you know, I'm trying to answer your question. You asked yeah. about advice, how, what do you do for somebody going through this? And I know the biggest, the best thing has been 
when someone sends me a message or something and and includes and it says please don't worry about responding to this right away um the most overwhelming thing for me especially in the first weeks months was just getting like an absolute hurricane of love thrown at my face which was amazing like i'm i never want to sound ungrateful for it but it was very overwhelming yeah um it i've hundreds of cards um and you know i i still have a list of like what people have sent and like you know like like wedding registry except cancer um i need to send thank you cards like i need i i feel the etiquette of being a cancer patient on the receiving end is so awkward because like you're overwhelmed by the fact that you're dying and you have so many appointments to go to and you're trying to like live and (laughs) work and do stuff and in my case you know i was just so flooded with so much you know messages on facebook or texts or calls from friends everybody wanted to find out from the source how it was going what was going on you know um so just being respectful of the fact that this is a really overwhelming time, I think. Um, I chose to respond to my way. You know, you know I said in, you were talking about my Facebook post. Um, and I was really blatant about this. I said, you know, my coping mechanism is humor. The night I was diagnosed, my brother and I started making cancer jokes at each other. Um, <laughs> things like we drove, we, we were driving home, I think, that night. And we were like just driving past a tennis center. And I was just like, you know, I never really got into tennis. And he goes, and now you never will. <laughs> it was like, or like we just this weekend, we went to the beach and or we, were, we were at a family wedding. And that night I was like, I want to go on, you know, walk on the beach. I love the beach at like sunset in the evening when it's cool. And we get there, he turns to me. He's like, one last time, huh? <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> and I love it. I love it. It makes me laugh. It's hilarious. It just appeals to my dark sense of humor. Um, and I think I'm, I'm able to laugh at it because I don't actually see myself dying. But for me, that works. I wouldn't recommend starting there with somebody else yeah. necessarily. But I specifically yeah. requested that. Hey, just reaching out. <laughs> just reaching out. Yeah. <laughs> Have you looked at caskets? <laughs> um, no. No. Like a uh, coupon for it? Yeah. Oh, um but you know um things like having named my tumor trump and announcing i was going to have a trumpectomy and uh what it was before my second surgery that i made a video of myself running up and down in baltimore in a t-rex costume so there's just things for me that were just even if nobody else found them funny like I found them hilarious and I've always been very amused by myself and it doesn't even matter. It distracted me from yeah. the fact that like, oh, by the way, we're going to, you know, put you under and cut you open and do all these things to you. But I was like, oh, I got to get on iMovie and edit this T-Rex movie. Like, you know, that helped me a lot, but that's my journey. That's my own take on it. Mm-hmm. So um, anyone going through this, no matter what kind of support system they have, is terrified on some level and then also okay on some days. Um, ever assuming you know what they're feeling is probably a bad step. Uh, I think the the hardest thing for me is like to try to like make people understand that I'm not depressed and sad all the time. They I think they expect me to be, mm. and everybody wants to help. And they, hey, how are you doing? You know, it's kind of like cancer eyes. And I'm, mm. you know, nine times out of ten, I'm like I'm fine. I'm like I'm at work. I'm I'm doing things now. Right. And and you know. Um, 
there's definitely times when I don't feel that way, but it's not a constant. I can't just be sad for like eight months because I would get really bored really quick. Mm-hmm. So I was going to actually ask next about, because you mentioned that you do, that you are working and like have a full life, obviously not that that like, not that that should be a surprise, but I'm, uh, I guess my curiosity for you is like, what's that actually look like? What's the, how is the balance of like daily life for you? Like, what are you up to? Well, luckily, um, my daily schedule, like my job is not terribly physically taxing. So weekdays I'm teaching voice and piano lessons. So I'm either sitting at a piano for a voice student or sitting next to the piano for a piano student. And like my studio is, there's, there's a bathroom right around the corner. So if I gotta, you know, go have the chemo up, up checks, it's fine. Um, it's kind of like being pregnant. I, I was talking to someone about that. Like there's days when I was like feeling really gross in the morning and then I would be like you know what I gotta pay bills I gotta rally and I was fine by the afternoon um so all my students I teach young as five years old up to adult so as soon as this was public on Facebook I did write a letter to all my families say hey this is what I'm going through um this is what it's gonna look like I know some things I don't know others you know I, I didn't know at the time I actually haven't had to lose any work through chemo I've wow. not taken a single day off. Um, and it was mainly having two surgeries that, that puts a, put a break in my schedule. Um, but in terms of singing, you know, I've had some side effects that have kind of been a nuisance there. I haven't taken any solo gigs, I think is the biggest change. Um, I do sing for a lot of ensembles, and that for me has been a really great thing in that you know, I'm not really on the spot or holding up a performance on my own. I'm right. a contributing factor. So I'm able to still sing and be part of it um, without kind of the pressure and intensity if I'm not feeling amazing and not sounding amazing that day. Um, one great example, I've never missed a Holy Week like since I started working as a singer, um, which is kind of like the hell week between Palm Sunday and Easter. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we're we, had like, a weird, we had a weird we're very tired episode during Holy Week. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that yeah. sounds about right. It's real. Um, but, you know, for for all that it is draining and exhausting, it's also a really big part of, of my life and my, my work with my colleagues there. And I ended up um, being in recovery from surgery. I think I missed... I missed Monday, Thursday, and Good Friday, which was just a hard call to make. But it, unfortunately, I work for a church where we are on TV and live for those big masses. And I was, I just had to make the call. Like I wasn't sure if I could actually stand up through an entire mass on that marble and sing. So I took those days off, um, came back on Holy Saturday and did those masses. And it was one of the most emotional uh, masses of my life. I would definitely say because It was kind of twofold. I had just found out that week that we didn't get it all, that I had to go back and do another whole surgery all over again, that it was in, cancer had spread to one of my lymph nodes we knew. And that was when I first had the total breakdown of like, oh my God, I could die. I absolutely could die. And I hadn't really thought about, like before then it was like, okay, it's just a little tumor. We're going to cut it out. We're going to zap you. You're going to be fine. And that getting the phone call actually it was on monday thursday getting a phone call from my surgeon that mm, wasn't all fine uh was terrifying and 
um, I had to then come back just in time for resurrection and like <laughs> sing. Literally, I remember like looking at the psalm and it was like, I will not die, but live. Like, this is the day the Lord has made it. I was like, oh, well, what about me though? <laughs> like, I didn't know. <laughs> so that was, it was, it was a lot of feelings, but it was also like this, this big release coming back and being part of the team again and singing. Um, but that's, that's the thing. I, I could no sooner stop singing than stop breathing. So it was all kind of tied together for me to be able to kind of rally through and, and get back to what I'm supposed to be doing, which is singing. Um, and it happened to be on, you know, Easter Vigil and Easter, which is like the most important time of the entire calendar year for the text that we sing. Um, and especially as a cancer patient, singing that, uh, to send that also as a, almost like a, um, I was about to say telegraph, but that's incredibly outdated. But, you know, I ha- again, I have family all over, and they could tune in and see me on live TV singing on Easter, knowing what I was going through. And I think that was a powerful thing to say, like, hey, I'm going to be okay, you guys. Everyone yeah. calm down. I was wearing really bright red lipstick, too. I remember that, too. So that was a, that was a very um, mixed experience because I was terrified, and I still am on some level, but it was also something that kind of saw me through a little bit so so um i'm wondering so through this process you have before before we were talk before we hit record we were talking about just kind of like political awareness and how (laughs) before this you know i think and this was the case with a lot of people like not everyone was as tuned in yeah. And I and especially with the selection cycle and you know the timing of your cancer diagnosis with all of these healthcare debates, um, I'm wondering for those who may not still be up on what is currently happening in these healthcare discussions, if you could kind of like get us up to speed, if that is a thing on what is happening or why they should wake up, or both. <laughs> <laughs> How about both? Yeah. Well. I think one of the most illustrative points about that, and I was saying this to someone else recently, I, t- I learned through a phone call from a radiologist that what I had was breast cancer and that he was surprised. And I was like, me too. Um, and I hung up and I, I think it was literally maybe 10 seconds that I just, my brain kind of stopped and I had this whole like, I gotta wake up. Like this, this is absolutely, this cannot be real. Uh, this is not my life. How, why would I have cancer? This doesn't make any sense. You know, 10 seconds of that kind of just jarring, like ringing feeling. And I, within, yeah, 10, 10, 15 seconds, I thought, oh my God, the Republicans are gonna try to take away my health insurance. Like I was insured. I wasn't even like I was getting this diagnosis and being like, oh my gosh, I have no coverage. I actually was an insured citizen. I was paying for my health insurance. And my first thought was, they're going to try to take it away from me, or they're going to make it harder for me to keep it, or they're going to take away my subsidy. I won't be able to afford the premiums. I'm going to go bankrupt. I'm going to die. I got to beat cancer before the Republicans find out that I have it. Uh, <laughs> crap. <laughs> Like, oh man, gotta this sounds this, like gotta fly this puppy on you the know, radar. <laughs> I would I was just like, this sounds like work. Um uh, and I'm so lazy, this just sounds terrible. Um I think for you know, I think it's pretty bold for us to talk about America being so great 
when our citizens are so afraid. Like I should have had, I, I think I should have had like a minute to uh, mourn my own mortality or, or you know, my breasts or my hair or whatever. Um, and I didn't, I didn't. I, I started thinking about finances immediately. I, I still have student loan debt. I was like, oh my gosh, I just, I, how much does cancer cost? And I still don't know, because um, I'm not done. But it's 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 more than I have in my savings. Let's just call it that. Um, so what happened after that? You know, I got I got some details about my cancer. Okay, it's it's triple positive. It's it responds to it grows off estrogen and progesterone and uh, her two protein factor. Okay, so I get online. I'm trying to find out about breast cancer. I'm trying to find out about prognosis for young breast cancer patients. I'm trying to find out um, vocal side effects to chemo because I asked my oncologist. She said none, but she's also not a singer. And so I'm thinking, okay, I just poured years of my life into these music degrees to be a singer. And what if I get cancer and I can't sing again? I'm not good at anything else. Like, what am I going to do? Oh my God. So I'm like, you know, exploding all over the internet trying to find out about cancer. Um, which is a terrible thing to do, yeah. by the way. Don't do it. Never get on the internet. Shut off. Like, if you get diagnosed, just call Comcast and quit. Um, so trying to educate myself about the medical side took a lot of time. And then I realized I had to, all of a sudden, I felt like I was scrambling to try to understand healthcare reform or how, how health insurance all works and why does it work the way it does and what's the difference between my plan versus this plan. And it's like the most adulting I feel like I've ever done in a very short amount of time. Um, and I felt like I was, you know, suddenly listening to the, the live debates and trying to understand what was happening. And, and I, I felt this, this sense of just scrambling to, to try to keep up before they can screw us over. And I feel like that's the responsibility of every American right now. And I wish it weren't that way because I don't have a law degree and I don't have a you know, political science degree. So I don't actually know what the hell I'm doing. Um, but I'm, I'm really trying to get as informed as I can. To know that there are people out there who are just kind of like, mm, whatever, and they won't vote at midterms and they, they don't really have, I think apathy is going to kill America more than anything, more than Trump. It's, it's generations of people who just want to leave it to somebody else and not even watch what's happening. Well, that it elected Trump, I think. Absolutely. In a lot of ways. Like, I think that that kind of, I mean, I don't know. The fact that we've allowed, like, our health... I mean, it's been decades that since we allowed our health care to be privatized. Mm-hmm. Like, there there was a giant move, a global movement towards trying to figure out publicly funded health care. Like, with the climax of it being, like, the uh, like England setting up the national health care system there, where they actually have single-payer health care. And that was, like, in 1954, I think. I don't know. We are, we're pretty behind. Yeah. Yeah. And... and that's the thing, and I think it's this has been tossed around a lot. Why are we a first world country that you know boasts about being the leader in so many things? Right. And we're literally just going to let our citizens die or go bankrupt. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, no matter what. Like I think I said this earlier, even if the people who are sick get the care they need, but it cripples them financially, in what way are they going to be a functioning? member of society what can they do to to better their community or their country mm-hmm. you know it boils down to like ableism honestly mm-hmm. because you know the argument that i hear against 
a single payer format is that like oh well in Germany like you know if you have a broken tooth you have to wait for six months and they end up coming here anyway and it's like hmm. you know that may be true but the people who do that have the means to do that yeah yeah that was something that we were talking about so what one of the things if you don't if you've never been to Long Island I don't know if you know this but there are a lot of like conservative people on Long Island and like I count my relatives who I love dearly and like I'm in no way being like Fuck them, but like, like, <laughs> good. like as good. as people in that way, and I like my uncle and my uncle, like all of my relatives are are mostly like working class Americans. Mm-hmm. Like some of them voted for Trump, um, and so it was. It's been it was interesting talking. You know, I know a lot of people that are just kind of blanket liberal that that don't know where, like people that were swayed into voting for Trump, are thinking, and I, of course there are like. 90% I would even believe are just like racist and just mm-hmm. like have no anyway but so my point here is that we got into start talk, starting to talk about single payer yeah and we were we we one of the points that was made was like um you know what what ACA doesn't the affordable care act um doesn't do is that is it is expensive for the people and it's made um, healthcare more expensive, like like not the insurance of it, but the um, actual cost of of medical practice and of hospital and bills and things like that have made mm-hmm. more expensive. It's like it wasn't the ACA that did that. It's the fact that we privatized healthcare so long ago. Right. Like the issue is is that not the other and like that's the thing is like we really need to be pushing for like we we mentioned this before we started recording is like. ACA is the right direction. But it's we not can't... the complete direction. Right. right. Absolutely. It's yeah. a compromise. But especially, you know, and this is another thing where calling it Obamacare was a really quick, easy way to get anti-Obama people to hate it, even if they had no idea what it did right. or how it worked. It, you know, it's, it's, as you say, the problems in the health insurance industry were not created by the ACA, and many of them were not solved by the ACA. But it was easy to just, I mean, I think we all know this about many things about the Obama years. It was easy to make him a scapegoat for a lot of things. And you have a bulk of the American population who want to get really pissed about things. They don't like to read or like actually know Mm -hmm. things, but they want to feel things, so they want to get pissed. And if they already didn't like Obama for something, whatever it was, it was always easy just to be in the camp of like blame him blame Obamacare everything's awful and then I keep you know seeing things come up now that people who voted for for Trump uh, and who are you know getting behind the Republican end of the healthcare debate are actually like being covered by the ACA and didn't actually know it or like you'll see people like say oh you know which is worse, the ACA or Obamacare? And these people are like, oh, Obamacare. And they have no idea that yeah. it's actually the same thing. Um, yeah, and that's that's vastly frustrating. I think no matter where you are, and you know, talking about um, people who are against single-payer single or saying, oh, it's so unfair for someone to have to pay for somebody else's care if they're healthy. But that's kind of like the idea of insurance is like you never know what's going to happen to you. And again, that's that's a reason for me to feel like it's worth my time and my energy uh, and my posts to put my story 
in front of people if I can because I'm other you know I, w- I was a 29 year old healthy adult um, young adult I mean and there was nothing else wrong with me um, it's it could happen to anybody and I think that's that it, it was very shocking to my my community of people that this happened to me um, and to be able to, to share this story and say look this is a situation it just happens it's cancer kind of doesn't care yeah. about you so much my um, and this is just for general like self-care awareness how what led you to go to the doctor um, I found a lump okay yeah and um, <laughs> you know this is a little insane my coverage started January 1st and I had made an appointment just to get with a new general physician, have a physical, and I couldn't make it till the beginning of February because I was at an opera in January. I was just like so booked. Yeah. And in the back of my mind, I kept being like, oh, I hope it's just a cyst. You know, also being like, oh my God, I'm dying. You know, in that way that you're always like, oh, I probably have cancer. You know, you kind of roll things off in your head and then it actually was that, which is kind of an insane turn of events to me. But um, no, I got... I saw a doctor the beginning of February. I showed that to her. She sent me in for ultrasound and biopsy. And uh, I was standing in this room with a radiologist. He said, yeah, you know, we usually, when we look for things that are benign, it's, you know, kind of just like a smooth egg shaped. And well, you know, yours looks a little bit more like a coastline. And I was like, well, that doesn't sound very good. Uh, but it just kind of, and that was like on a Thursday. He had me back that afternoon. They did the biopsy. Friday, found out. It was like, babity bobbity boop, cancer. So that wasn't like the most fun weekend I've had. But, um, you know, you just got to move forward. Mm-hmm. Huh. Cool. Well, I mean, not cool, but... <laughs> As cool as cancer can be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Weird, weird interview ticks of mine. Anyway, yeah. um, so we have a few minutes left. So one of the last things we always do with our guests is a one-minute plug. Um, part for Mostly for anything they have upcoming, usually because we have people on to talk about like upcoming events and stuff. So if you have upcoming events you want to plug, please do. But it can also be people that you think are doing dope work. People that you want to give a shout out to. People who or, are doing important work. Yes. Like yours, like any social media presence that you are comfortable sharing so that people can follow what's happening. Fair. Also yeah. like general self-care. That like books you're reading, you know, media you're consuming. You know. Um I have a Golden Girls Mad Libs book that's pretty awesome that yeah. I use during waiting times for surgery. Uh, no, I mean, I'm, I'm on Facebook. I'm on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I've had actually plenty of people start following you who don't know me, and it's you know a friend of a friend of a friend who's going through this themselves or something like that. I have to say the times that I've gotten a message from somebody who said, hey, I'm going through this too. I was having a bad day. Something you wrote made me laugh or smile. That's been like the most useful thing for me and then to feel that I'm helping anyone else um yeah I'm trying to think of anything else to plug so what are so what are what are your handles on social media that people can follow you um on Facebook I'm there as Molly Grace Young and on Twitter as Molly Young and Instagram as Molly Lolly Lulila because it <laughs> sounds fun uh pretty easy to find and um yeah it's been 
um, a great outlet just to connect with people, tell them how I'm doing, yeah. and try to spread spread the smiles, spread the red. I think that's one of the, the great thing we were talking about, the red lips. Um, it started going so far beyond me that people I don't know are, are doing it. And what I love is seeing someone's post where they've posted a picture of themselves and the lipstick for me, and then there's like, bunches of comments underneath about from other people who don't even know the situation saying oh, you look so wonderful that's a great color on you you look so positive and so there's these circles and rings of like great energy coming out of such a crap situation but then it's being turned into i mean i've had people who were in sweden and italy and india and the uk posting pictures to me on chemo day um so the idea of it becoming like this just global Day of Smiles. I like that a lot better than being like, chemo. So when is the next Red Lip Day? Next Monday, July 3rd. And I do those lip sync videos. It's going to be July 4th themed. Good. Yeah, I always do. I, I, I kind of like use the, the um, what are they called? Curtains in the chemo ward because I don't want to like upset anyone. Um, <laughs> but because like there's people there who are like, you know, tired and sad. And then I'm like doing my little like yeah. lip sync video. So, um, but I have a lot of plans for that. Cause I recently did lose all my hair. Um, so I went to Michael's and got a lot of like accessories for the bald head. <laughs> so I'm really excited about that. <laughs> you gotta, you gotta use it. You know, yeah. you gotta do what you can. Yeah. So I'm excited. Shout out Michael's. Yeah. Yeah. They Michael's. Not, not Hobby things. Lobby. No, Michael's. Not, I, I went there. I was like, I need to find things that can stick to a bald head. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, I got a bag. Got a bag stuff. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Cool. Well, thank you all so much for listening. I've been Dan Johansson. I continue to be Maureen Smith. Uh, so, this is for anyone that may be catching this that has never listened to us before. Um, this has been a Scopy Radio podcast of Scopy Magazine, which is a multimedia uh, arts journalism outlet based out of Chicago. Uh, we also do a little bit of stuff in Milwaukee, uh, and we want to be back to Baltimore more. Um, Baltimore more. Baltimore more. Uh, but if you want to keep up with what we are up to, there are a lot of ways that you can do that. You can head, you can listen to our podcast on iTunes or wherever you find podcasts under Scopy Mag. You can find us on Facebook, Scopy Magazine. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter under at Scopy Mag. Um, we have some performances coming up in Chicago. Um, July fourth, we're having a big party. July sixth, we're going to do Dungeons and Dragons live. Yeah. Um, <laughs> July 11th is the beginning of, of our representation series, which we are, we've asked um, cultures that thrive in, members of cultures that thrive in Chicago, but do not thrive in classical music to um, produce some concerts for us. So we have a Latinx music night where it is all Latinx composers performed by Latinx performers. Uh, we had nothing to do with the programming of it. Um, we handed the keys over and said, wow us. Mm -hmm. And we have similar events for um, black composers and performers and Filipino um, Filipino composers and performers. So uh, you can find all of that out on social media. And yeah. And the best thing about what we do is we post all of the recordings of our performances online. Mm -hmm. So if you can't be there in person, it's, uh, it's important to us to kind of like promote a digital concert going experience. Um, otherwise, uh, we run in a shoestring budget, uh, so if you can donate, uh, it means the world to us. Um, we 
all of our content is like I mentioned, it's all free um, and open to the public. And the way that we do that is with a uh, with different donors at different uh, pay levels. Basically, you can donate for as little as five dollars a month, and if you do, we'll mention you on the show. Um, you can also do a one-time donation, in which case, if you consent to us having your address, <laughs> we will uh, mail you a thank you letter in the mail. Yeah. So yeah, uh, give a little, give a lot, and if you can't give, then listen, participate, and share. Cool. Thanks again so much for listening. Go out and make something. Yep. <laughs>